Hey everyone, this is Chris with Bonner Breakdown, and this is what I call the good report. We're always looking for things to celebrate. We're looking for things that have gone well. Uh, and oftentimes those can be difficult to find uh, in government. And yet I found uh, something that happened this last week that was a bipartisan effort from Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator Tom Cotton who came together to uh, put together legislation to fly the prisoner of war and missing an action flag. Now, it is Veterans Day. And I think it was very fitting that last week President Trump signed into law that the that federal buildings will fly the prisoner of war missing an action flag to honor those people who are prisoner of war, prisoners of war and who've been missing in action. I want to thank every member of our military who served uh, we're so grateful for the work that you've done. And on Veterans Day, of course, we say thank you. Uh, we also are grateful that uh, even on one topic, our nation can come together and agree that we need to honor those people who've been prisoners of war and missing in action. So uh, keep those families um, of members of that community in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, I know that Veterans Day can be very difficult for many as we remember. And I know veterans don't want the accolades, generally don't want the accolades. And so we just say thank you from the Bonner Breakdown. Um, and that today is your good report. Uh, we have some new sponsors coming on board. We're excited to announce those in the next uh, few episodes. If you want to be a sponsor of the show, please uh, let us know. Go to BarnerBreakdown.com if you want to sponsor a segment like the good report or an episode itself. With that, uh, today we've got a great episode with County Commissioner Dan McDonald, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the conversation. Well, here we are. Dan, yeah. it's good to have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. I know that you saw some of the mayoral mm -hmm. uh, episodes, yep. and, and uh, I asked you to come on, and you said, yeah, we've, yeah. we've had some contact a little bit over sure. the years. and. Sure. And I uh, appreciate you as a county commissioner. So oh, thanks. thanks for serving. Um, so tell us, a, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? <laughs> I, I know that, that uh, politics wasn't your first option. No, as a matter of fact, I, uh, I was actually uh, more of a business person for the most part. I mean, I started out, my parents, when I was in junior high, started their own business. And mm -hmm. so I went to work for them. And, and it was good. They, I mean, they created that work ethic that I think everybody needs to have. Yeah. In fact, my parents were awesome and they would never give me anything. Everything I had, I had to buy. So uh -huh. I'd work all summer for 50 cents an hour when uh -huh. everyone else was making three or four bucks an hour. And all that money, I thought, man, at the end of the summer, I'm going to be bank. This will be awesome. Yeah. And what ends up happening, they go, no, 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 you have to buy your school clothes. Well, the theory behind that is if I bought my own school clothes after you'd, having to do a lot of work, you'd make it last. I'm going to take better care of them. And, and those, <laughs> I think those, those life lessons have stuck with me my entire life. And I tried to instill them on my kids, but yeah. from there, I, uh, I was playing, I was a football player. I played football in high school. Um, senior year was not great. I grew seven inches over the summer. So I played a year at junior college and, um, was a standout player there and got a letter of intent from Arizona state. And I was still racing dirt bikes at the time and blew my knee up. So it made my oh. life change to a different course. Wow. wow. So uh, I went into working for a company locally there. Well, I worked for my father for a few more years and was running his operation. And what and did the, he do? He did. He owned a uh, landscape and building supply yard. We had okay. everything from rock blocks, you know, concrete blocks. Where, uh, where is this at? Down in California. Okay. Yeah, I'm originally from Napa Valley. Okay. And um, he finally decided to cash it in and uh, he wanted to do something different. So he became a coach. And a teacher at a Christian school. Okay. So we were, I was raised in the church. And and so at that point, I, I thought, well, I've got to go out and find something on my own. Found a, a what I thought was a good career to start with, which 
kept moving around in the roofing industry until finally I was running a large roofing company Okay. Um, down in the Bay Area. Got out of that, um, decided I want to do something completely different. And I got recruited by a company that said, you can live anywhere you want. We'll put you anywhere you want. Well, my wife, whose family is all from here, she still has quite a few relatives here. Um, when we started dating in 79, she brought me up here on vacation with her. And, you know, came across the Long Bridge and had the classic Long Bridge. Wow, like, yeah, right? How do I live here? Yep. Well, I found out you could live here, but you couldn't work here <laughs> back then. Wages weren't great. And uh, so we always kept like one foot in Idaho going, okay, yeah. we want to we move there. We want to move there. We yeah, want to yeah, yeah. get out of the Bay Area. We're in the Napa Valley, which is still a nice place. But... Hey, I'm going to have you pull this down just... Okay. Just right there. Sure. Yeah. So right. we're in the Napa Valley and, and this company recruits me and they say, you can live anywhere you want. And, right. they, and I was, at that point I was thinking kind of small. I was thinking, well, I'd like to have Napa and Sonoma County. So I'm there. And they said, that's taken. I said, what about Sacramento to Tahoe? No, that's taken. And so I was walking out of this four hour interview going, I'm not interested. And they, as I'm walking down the hallway in this hotel, they go, you can live anywhere you want. We'll move you. And I said, what about Northern Idaho, Eastern Washington area? And they said, well, it's fallow territory. You'd have to build it yourself. And I said, I'll take it. Wow. Now, I hadn't told my wife yet, <laughs> which if anybody knows me, they know I'm kind of famous for that. But uh, came home and said, honey, we have an opportunity <laughs> to move to Idaho. And then I had to call our in-laws because they, they have a house here on the, pro on the family property. And can we live in your house? And, and that's sure. what kind of got me up here. And I, was a, I, was, I worked for a, I was a roof consultant that also did sales for this uh, roofing manufacturer. And it was... The way the thing's set up is you really run your own business. Yeah. There's no one telling you, hey, get up, go to work, get right. a bunch of clock. Yeah. Um, but it was straight commission, so it was work or starve. Wow. Which is a great motivator. Yeah. <laughs> um, originally, they told me the territory was not big enough by their standards to support someone. And I said, well, let me try it. And if it doesn't work out, you can ship me to Seattle or wherever. And then uh, the first five years, I was in the top 15 in the company. And, awesome. And then kept working it from there. So it was, it, it was a good career. A lot of driving. Um, a lot right. of a lot of consulting. I learned to do AutoCAD, and you know, it, cool. it, it helped me yeah. with some skills. But uh, but it, you really had to run the business yourself, uh -huh. which is kind of tuned me up. Everything I've done in my life kind of tuned me for this job. Sure, yeah. And so then I finally got to the point where um, I was doing a talk radio talk show, political talk show in Sandpoint, and on Fridays, and I started paying attention to the county and, uh -huh. and the city and what was going on in the yeah. state and. I'm going, man, I, I just, these guys are making some mistakes. I think the budget's starting to blow up and, you know, so okay. on and so forth. So I thought yeah. maybe it's time to step out of what I'm doing, which paid very well. And I yeah. only worked about three days a week and mostly during the spring, summer, and fall, never during the winter to get in a full-time job. <laughs> so, right. That's, so a huge, I, uh, that's a huge shift. Yeah, it was a big shift. It was, and it was tough. Me and my wife and I had to have several conversations. I said, you know, it's going to mean a life change for us. We can't, we're not going to have the money we had before. So we're going to have to kind of pull back a bit. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah, I think that's... I, I kind of felt a call to do it. and um, I thought my life experiences and my experience in business would be helpful. Yeah. Um, that and managing people. And so so we took the plunge. Okay. And then I got sworn yeah. in and said, oh my Lord, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody who's first, first term in office mm -hmm. goes, uh-oh. Right. Uh, there's, yep. you know, there's always some, some challenges with that. So you have family, kids, you got, I've got you know, uh, three kids. They're okay. all grown. All right. um, 32, 30 and 27. Mm -hmm. um, two of them have children. So I've got five grandchildren. Mm -hmm. The youngest one, my, my wife is having me pressure him to procreate. We, oh. we got, he's got to meet a woman first, but, <laughs> well, but yeah, <laughs> get married, but, but yeah, the pressure's on to have the new baby. So, uh -huh. 
So what do you think uh, kind of shaped your your political ideology leanings? Like, what, what do you think kind of shaped how you view politics? I think it was my upbringing. My, my parents were very self-reliant. I mean, when we, when my mom, this, this was my mom's third husband. She got pregnant in high school. Okay. And kept me, um, which is awesome. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, um, but, yeah. um, and she was a single mom for, for a few years. She was working two jobs, but she still had time for me. And um, even as a, as a small child, um, that was noted. Yeah. She married again to a guy that had some health issues that that didn't work out. And then the third, mm -hmm. her third husband, his pretense for marrying my mother was, you have to let me adopt your children so I can raise them as my own. And he's the one that's really, that's really shaped me. He, you know, he taught me all about integrity and honoring your word and wow. being on time and, okay. you know, and, and putting in, doing more than what you're asked to do in right. a job. So, yeah. and making yourself invaluable. Wow. And so those things kind of really... Um, drive my life. And now they drive my children's life. We were able to pass that on to my children. I hope we can pass it on to our grandchildren. Of course. But, of uh, course. Yeah. And he was awesome. I, we even, there's no blood relation. He's five, 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 I think blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> I'm six, three dark hair. Well, I used to have dark hair. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah, happy to have hair. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but, um, but we act alike, talk alike. My, our signatures are similar. It's wow. It's strange. Yeah, that's cool. But that's it was, cool. and it was always a Christian upbringing. Always raised me in the church. They're okay. highly involved in the church. My mother uh, and father both are highly involved in charities. My mom okay. cooks for the homeless down there. She created the uh, Hallelujah House, wow. which kept. Um, she was. She had a restaurant. She owned a couple of restaurants, and one of the things she noticed is a lot of her wait staff were young women, pregnant, probably had a little bit of a drug problem, sure. and yeah. she said, "There's got to be a way to." to keep these women, to get them straightened out and then let them keep their children. Wow. And uh, so she created the Hallelujah House and the kids are on one side and the mother's on the other side. And once they get clean, they're rejoined. And that's cool. That was a lot of her effort. So, wow. Yeah, that's super neat. And it's what drives my charitable giving. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. I was raised that way. Right. You, know, you do these things. I mean, it, yep. You serve. Yeah. You, like, things, you yeah. serve, you serve, you serve. I mm -hmm. mean, I was an elder in church for nine years and mm -hmm. led a worship team. And um, yeah. it's just things you do. Because you're called to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's uh, inherent challenges. Oh yeah. In anything that you you know you got to deal with flawed people wherever you go. So sure. it's always it's always challenging. So you're you're seeing some things happening with the city, uh, with the county that you were like, hmm, I bet I could make an impact here. Yeah. And and so do you have anything specific that really stood out to you that while you're doing that that made you go, ah, you know, I could really help. Well, one of the things I, the year I, the first year I ran, which was 2016, I made a point since my schedule was my own, I would come into the county building, try to get there in there a couple of days a week and really started kind of immersing myself into the budget, um, meeting the different department heads, learning what okay. they did. Yeah. Um, because it gave me a, the, a better ability to step back and go, okay, what are my goals? And so, you know, okay. people call them campaign promises, but to me, they were really goals. Yeah. Here's 20 things. I want to accomplish. And in, in the first seven months, because I had done all the homework, I was able to accomplish those, which were, was awesome. Okay. Which were what? Uh, one of the biggest ones was the uh, budget. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, the budget was run, was a runaway budget. It was unsustainable. I had met with the clerk and he said, listen, our burn rate for our cash, which I, I don't want to get too geeky on budget. Sure. Stuff no, here, but, but go ahead. Yeah. But um, our burn rate was, was, um, was way too high. We were burning up revenues. Um, count the county itself as a government, had expanded dramatically. In fact, in 2016, I think they added 36 employees. Right. Um, so that's it's expensive. That's new new positions, which are reoccurring costs. Um, so I was really cognizant of, of uh, 
of that being the primary issue, because if we don't get that straightened out, really everything else kind of falls by the wayside. Okay. Yeah. And then to uh, start looking at running the county more like a business. I mean, granted, you can't do that with government to the degree that you don't have a profit motive, but you, flip, yeah. you flip it and your profit motive becomes a savings motive. Uh, so that was, that was uh, the biggest thing was budget. There was um, issues with a lot of lawsuits. Uh, we had a lot of terminations that uh, yeah. resulted. They were highly publicized and it was yeah. costing the county a lot of money. Uh, so one of the first things we did uh, besides wrestling the budget down was <clears throat> to go self-insured for liability. Because the way it works with first dollar insurance is the insurance company just wants to settle. They don't want to go Correct. through a lengthy court process. Yep. Yep. It's And we were the ATM machine for the area. Anybody who wanted to take a shot at us, they would they would get a payoff. And I said, you know, that's just not right. Because it's not my money. It's not your money. Actually, it is my money. And it is your money. And it's that's right. It's money, everybody's so. money. Yeah. So, um, regardless of if you live in the city or not. Right. And the yep. company I'd come from, we were hundred percent self-insured for medical and for liability and the savings were dramatic. And we've seen the same dramatic savings here. Plus it gives us control over what cases do we really want to fight? What cases do we want to settle? Okay. Um, because some of the, if you hear anything about the county or if you know anything about the county, you'll know that we are constantly being sued over frivolous things. Okay. People hoping to cash in. Okay. Um, and those are the things that I want to fight because it's, it's right to fight them. Right. If, and, and that's something that I think people notice about you. Yeah. Right. That you, you, uh, you definitely put your stake in the ground and say, no, mm -hmm. we're not moving on this one. Or yeah. there's some things here that you can kind of, you could kind of, I, I've seen you kind of go, well, you know, I think we can probably work around that. And other ones you're like, we ain't done. Like we're not going there. Right. Yeah. And, right? It's, and a lot of it's just the, I, I'm someone described me as a boy scout. And I think that's, that's the right thing. I mean, I'm, okay. a, I'm a Boy Scout. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. You know, fight for right and fight against wrong. I, you uh -huh. know, it's, so that's kind of who I am. Well, we live, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me about the concept of Boy Scout mm -hmm. and if it's right, it's right, is that currently in our, in our environment, um, the concept of what's right and wrong has just been kind of flayed out there mm -hmm. to mean, you know, uh, the concept of what's moral or what's immoral and what's the role of government, what's not the role of government mm -hmm. um, seems to be uh, definitely uh, polarized Well, that, and, and that definitely and grayed out in some areas and been very polarized. Well, and you have to be careful because what's right can be what I can justify as being right. Correct. Because we're all, yeah. we're all great at lying to ourselves. So we can always justify virtually anything. And we, and we all do it. Yeah. So know? I try yeah. to fall back on, okay, let's look at the law first. Here's the law. Boom. Okay. This is what we have to go by. Well, and I've seen you do that in several yeah. cases. And we take, you know, we take yeah. an oath of office and I really take the oath seriously. I okay. mean, it, some people think it's, it's funny and some people think it's ridiculous, but when I raise my hand and swear an oath to uphold the law and uphold the constitution, yeah. of both the United States and the state of Idaho, I mean it. Yep. I mean, that's what I'm in for. Yeah. So. Well, and it's interesting. I know that some people um, um, would... They could have arguments about your priorities mm -hmm. and kind of the things that you find really important versus what they find important. Sure. So uh, I know we asked a little background on kind of what shaped you, but where, where do you sit right now as far as your priorities with government governing uh, the county? Well, I'm, I'm fiscally conservative. And uh, I think that's for me, that's where I've got to be because it's the, okay. to me, it's the responsible place to be. Okay. I'm charitable, but I'm charitable with my own money. I'm not charitable with your money. Okay. Um, I don't feel like I have a right to your money. <laughs> nor do you have a right to my money. So from a financial standpoint, that's where I stand. Everything else um, starts falling in the gray area and it's uh, case by case. I mean, I, okay. uh, um, I really, you don't see most of the things that happen every day. Um, the yeah. job is about 5% ideological. So okay. regardless whether you're conservative or, or liberal. Libertarian. Five, yeah, libertarian. It's 5% yep. of the job is that the rest of it is really 
business. Okay. You know, do we have the right kind of staffing in Road and Bridge? Do we have the right kind of equipment? What's our priority in Road and Bridge? What about the sheriff? So even though the sheriff is an elected official, we have authority over his budget and over everyone's budget. In fact, I don't think most people know what commissioners actually do. Wow. I mean, it's a, uh, we are the CEOs for the county. So nothing mm -hmm. happens in the county without us signing off on it. No money is spent, even though we create a budget, it doesn't give the department heads or the other elected officials any spending authority. It wow. still has to come through us. Okay. Um, and at any time we can, we can pull back. And we did the very first year, we did a spending freeze. Even though there was money in the budget for, for X, we said our burn rate's too high. We need to go ahead and do a right. spending freeze on anything other than reoccurring expenses. And that, in that first year, you were, it was you and Jeff, and was it Mike? Glenn. Glenn. Oh, that's right, Glenn. Yep. And, uh, and so in that process, uh, you know, in making those decisions mm -hmm. as a county, there's this open meeting law, mm -hmm. right? And so any conflict, any uh, disagreements have to happen in public. They have to play out in public. And it's, right. and it's what's interesting is that uh, when I first decided to run, I started looking at meeting law and I thought, boy, this is the most insane thing on the planet right. because I want to hear what the other commissioners think. Yeah. Because I don't always know everything. <laughs> so, you know, and they may have another perspective. They may uh -huh. have thought of something I haven't thought of. So, so that has to, all that process has to play out in public. That's awkward. Yeah, and, and it is awkward. And it's, um, at times it can seem just uh, um, um, kind of weird. At times it can seem even a little unprofessional. We, I know we've had some discussions that have gotten pretty heated yeah. in front of the public. And it's just, it's the way the, the system's designed. And I think it's good. I mean, people need to know. I, you know they, yeah. What they don't know is that, for instance, on a Tuesday business meeting, they go, oh, you guys have made these decisions before you even got here. Well, no, we get the packet on the Thursday before. So we uh -huh. have a chance to go through every one of those things, pull invoices, talk to department heads, say, hey, why are you doing okay. this? Okay. So we, when we come in, we've yeah. we've done our homework. So we know kind of generally each one of us individually know where we're going with it. Now, okay. something may come up in a right. meeting. In fact, we, we may have somebody, a constituent in the audience that might say, hey, you know, I'm against this because of X. And that's something we take into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, uh, when, when you do have an executive session, mm -hmm. right, and you guys do go private, um, you know, that's really limited to just a handful of things right. that you There's could ever do. I want to say six, I think it's six items. Um, yeah. and it's a lot of it has to do with either legal issues, um, employees, employees, yeah, personnel yeah. issues, that type personnel. of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, and even in that, we yeah. can't make a decision in executive. Oh, okay. We can only discuss can it. We have, have to come out of it okay. and then that's the only time we can make a decision. Okay. Okay. Um, so one of the things that if you noticed in the standpoint, and I think across the entire region in almost every city, whether it was Ponderay or Dover or, or in Sandpoint in that, you know, uh, in Kootenai, people running for either a city council position or mayor said, wow, we need to improve the conversation with the county. Mm -hmm. We need to have a better uh, relationship and conversation because there's been obviously and we'll probably talk about the festival thing and sure. some other stuff. But um, how would you say that is like how, how do you assess how the city and uh, let's just take Sandpoint, how, how the city of Sandpoint and the county's relationship is right now? How would you say it is? And then, you know, is there any ways to improve it? You know, it's it's not good. And I think when I talk to people, I've talked to past commissioners and they've said, you know, the Sandpoint's always been the tail of the dog that's trying to wag the, the dog being the county to a degree. And I, I don't know if that's a, an accurate description, but um, okay. um, they, they are the, the county seat. Yep. Um, they are a municipality, so they have yep. the ability to do anything they want within their within their jurisdiction. But yep. 
but there always seems to be this little, we want to push a little bit. At least this is my perception. Okay. We saw it with Greenprint, um, which came out and it was talking about, one of the things we talked about was controlling land in the county. Well, that scared a lot of people in the county. It saying, sure did. Yep. Wait a minute. And, and, it, and it scared me as well. I just, and I, my words were, listen, do what you want within the city limits. That's all yours. But when you come to the county, you should be talking to us. Or if you want to come in the county. Um, mm -hmm. And that really didn't happen. They claim they did through the planner at the time. Um, but uh, there was never a discussion with the commissioners. Well, there was a small discussion with one of them. But, but it's really something that if you want to look at something like that, you really should have us at the table. Well, and and do you feel like being at the table is a formal process, correct? I think it needs to be. I think it needs to be formal and okay. public. I, and I'm not a big fan of closed door meetings. Right. I'd rather have everything played out correct. in public yeah. because it's yeah. it's more honest. It's cleaner. Okay. So uh, let's just take the green uh, green print. The green print. Um, so you know, I think if the city had said, "Hey, let's come up with a proposal mm -hmm. or something," here's plans that we're working on within the city that could have impacts in the county mm -hmm. that would have that. Here's what we're thinking: we want to have a you know sit down and have a conversation with the planners and with the different people sure. at the county level. Um, they would need to submit something to the commissioners in order to get that ball rolling. Yeah, and I'd like to see it. I, I mean, the, I'm just curious the, about the process. To the, come to the commissioners. I mean, there were some things in there in that report that were startling, and I went through it with a fine tooth comb and. A little concerned about, you know, having to, you know, pull out property in the county that's non-productive. People who are on, living on non-productive land, so if you're not growing anything or raising cattle or what have you, should give that up. And, you know, so the people in the, the city can enjoy it. We've got a lot of land in the county that can be enjoyed by people in yeah. the city. There's, I mean, yeah. when it boils down to it, we look at it from a tax-based basis. There's really, when you take out the Forest Service, um, IDL land, and the private commercial timber land, we're, and, and the conservation easements, we're down to about... 14% of land that can be developed, that's privately held and can be developed, which trying to run a government, a county government based on that, especially in a rural setting, is tough. Sure. I mean, it's really difficult. Sure. So when you talk well, about- Well, and I'm not familiar enough with the plans in the green, sure. the, 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 that whole uh, green print um, to have a you know thought on yeah. it left or right. Um, what's What do you think are ways that they could improve? Um, it'd be nice if we had, uh, we tried to institute some quarterly meetings where we would bring all the different cities in together with us. And we have, a, we sit in the same room. We would talk about issues that were important. We'd ask them uh, for their issues that they feel are important to discuss and try to get everybody back. It's called, it was called the all county meeting. Okay. Um, and we had a couple of those, but they, when was that? They were, uh, last year. Okay. Um, and it was to try to get us all at least discussing things that might affect you know, both groups. Okay. So out in Hope, if something's going on in Hope that may affect right. the county, we want to be there. And we helped Hope out with an issue with the water issue a couple the last year. Yeah. Um, we talked to Clark Fork. Sandpoint kind of kind of pulled out of the process to a degree. Okay. Um, not a lot of participation. Was it, I, and I wonder if it was because, hey, we're already doing something similar with the Bonner Regional team. But in this case, you actually had all three commissioners. These okay. were agendized meetings. Um, you have okay. all three of us there, okay. Um, which I think so is a that much that's better. the difference. Okay, so yeah. instead of it being a just a private gathering and not yeah. even a private, it was public. But as far as the form was, it was uh, you know for anybody who wanted to be there could mm -hmm. be there. It's very open ended. The problem um, we had is we when we had more than one commissioner there because I went to the first one, mm -hmm. and as did the other two commissioners, and you really get you're right on the edge of that open meeting law violation. And in fact. Oh, okay. Um, I had found out, unbeknownst to me, that the county was paying for some of the lunches and for the speaker or for the moderator without going through the formal approval process, which is a big no-no. Okay. And I said, it's got to stop. You can't, yeah. The yeah. two of you can't talk at a 
at the regional team meeting and decide you're going to do something. Well, and and um, one of the things that that was really clear, I'll just say this because I helped kind of write that and put mm -hmm. that together. Um, one of the rules that we came up with was that no decisions can be made here. Right. So it was one of those like this is where we can have and people were open to be guests to mm -hmm. sit in and watch as much as they wanted. Sure. Um, and so they, I think they, tr we tried to navigate that in a way that would honor the open meeting laws as well as um, say, hey, we're not gonna make any decisions. Everybody, every municipality, whether it's the county, any of the cities, mm -hmm. any of the things, they all get to make their own decisions about what they wanna do, but here's a place we can hash it out. And so that was the goal behind it. Um, and obviously, you know, how the funding happened and yeah. I know BCHA, we funded it, um, several times, you mm -hmm. know, paid for it. So I think there was a lot of different, uh, association of realtors and different people that had, had pitched into it, um, to try and get something like that. To and work. I wouldn't have had an issue with the funding if it would have come before the commissioners officially, but this was literally a violation of the open meeting law okay. in every sense of the word. Um, so that's where it became a problem. Okay. Because the county paid for it. County paid for it. Yeah. Okay. And so that, that's And the decision was made by, and in fact, when I asked the two commissioners, they said the decision was made. Um, we talked about it during the meeting, during that meeting, regional team meeting. And I said, I looked at him, our attorney and I looked at him and said, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. You, know, you can't do yeah. this. And so. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Well, and I think that, um, I think that um, being able to uh, come together in a way that would, uh, have some of those types of meetings, whether mm -hmm. it's the Bonner regional team uh, concept, um, getting, uh, you know, the cities and the counties. I know that that came up a lot for the Sam city of Sandpoint. Mm -hmm. um, people saying, hey, we've got to connect. We've got to have a place to hash out some things. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, is that you're saying, OK, great. We're great with that. We are open to having those meetings. They just have to be done in a format mm -hmm. yeah, that I allows us to, to honor the rules that you're under. Well, and I really think from a government to government standpoint, um, they're best done in the all county meeting process that we had. I think that, I mean, we could still have sure. you come in. We could still have other groups come in sure. because, yeah. because we've got some, we've got some areas where it's going to cross lines. So that's important. Yeah. But I think it was, a, it was a better setting. It was a agendized setting. Mm -hmm. um, and it was open to the public, which I know yours were, but I think it was just yeah, a cleaner was, process because uh, yeah. it was really totally. focusing on government to government because okay. we do have to work with each other. It's important. Um, I, okay. I wish we, work together more, mm -hmm. um, but um, okay. and hopefully that'll happen. Well, and I think that one of the nice things is mm -hmm. being able to sit down and have, have people hear you say it. Mm -hmm. Because I think I think majority of this, I, I just keep beating this drum as to why we're having this show, mm -hmm. right? Is because nobody actually gets to hear the conversation. Right. We just get the sound bites and you letters say, to yeah. the editor. You get whatever right? we well, get letters to the editor and whatever the the B prints. Nothing against prints. letters to the editor. Yeah. People need to get their opinions on there, and that's a that's an open forum yeah. for people to put it out there, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, but for people that are that have some authority and some roles, I'm like, man, mm -hmm. we need to we need to hear. Uh, well, what I your try to make are. myself extremely available. Well, and that that's something we need to get to because because yeah. you are the social media master of Bonner County. I did not I, want to own that. Marker, yeah, well, yeah. you you own it. Yeah. Uh, because uh, if there's anything Ugh. happening online in any of the forums, Dan McDonald, the, yeah. the, you know, here he is and he's oh, putting know. in. Yeah. No, trust and, me, and my I, wife. <laughs> is it in, has it reached addiction levels? Uh, not addiction. I'll I'll, yeah. Well, it all depends on who you talk to. You talk to me, I say no. If you talk to my wife, she says it's beyond addiction and she okay. wants to put me in a program. But oh, that's funny. No, I... <laughs> One of the things I explain to people, you know, some people like it that I'm out there. Some people clearly don't sure. like it that I'm out there. Um, 
the whole premise behind that was when I was running for office, I said, listen, I want to be as transparent as possible. Because one of the things I never saw was like, you never heard from a commissioner. You never, you never heard anything. I mean, you just yeah. didn't other than yeah. sound bites or, or quotes in the paper. And even if you sat in a meeting, you can't ask a question. Right. And you don't know what's going on because yeah. you don't know the background. So what happened, what, the way it started was I started responding to people who had questions. And what I found was rarely do we get people to come into our office. I mean, we do, but not compared to the volume on Facebook. It's nowhere near that. Nor do right. we get phone calls. I think right. people feel a little intimidated to come in. Totally. To the yeah. So Facebook creates this doorway for people to tag me in on the discussion because I'll see, I mean, I won't even be involved in a discussion. There'll be something going on and, well, I heard this and I heard that. And you know how rumors get started. Yep, yep. And they'll tag me in. Well, let's let's invite Dan McDonald. So I'll get invited in and no, here's what's actually going on. Now, the importance of that is so many times things go on, rumors start and it t they take on a life of their own and they Correct. suddenly become this de facto truth, even yep. though there's no, there's no right. um, truth behind it. And it becomes a much bigger problem. If we can, if I can get those things when they're small and put out a small fire, it's better than trying to put out the forest totally, fire. Totally, totally. Do you think that um, being so public um, kind of puts a target on your back a little oh, bit? Oh, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen everything I've been involved in, but there's, so no, I, I get, I get, I get, uh, I have the far left that constantly comes at me. I mean, it's just relentless and they're okay. brutal and they're vicious. They came after my wife. Hmm. which I finally had to say, listen, that needs to stop. My wife's not me. If you ever met my wife, she's the sweetest person on the planet. Everyone loves her. Um, and I don't, I don't have a problem taking the hits. I really don't. I mean, okay. it's just because I, I, I always try to stand on facts. I always try to bring good information. Um, I don't get uh, to the point where it's uh, I, a woman that I used to go to church with um, gave me this little piece long ago. She says, your opinion of me is none of my business. People are going to have opinions. Yep. Um, there's, Certain people that I will never, ever, ever make happy. But Truth. um But what <laughs> I want to be is a source. Who you are, yeah. I want to be a source for information. And I'm yeah. and I'm talking not just about the left, but the right as well. Yeah, totally. I've got some of the right that were all worked up about this 120-day RV thing that they thought we created, which we didn't. And so I'm having to deal with that fallout. But mm -hmm. you know, I've got people on the left mad at me, I have people on the right mad at me. So I hopefully I'm doing a good job. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think that that's a that's a risk with politics today obviously, is that if you're going to take a stand in any direction mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as uh, being vocal about it, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's much easier in politics to not say anything. It's easier to hide. And, I, but I'll, and I'll tell you the other. And I'm not thing. calling that bad. Not necessarily. You know, like I mean, I, there, there yeah. are times I wish I wasn't on some of these threads, but I, it's, yeah. now that I'm in it, now I, I, I can't quit it. So, um, but, <laughs> but one, of the, one of the issues is that most people don't see the nuts and bolts to everything. Okay. Um, they don't understand how government works. They don't understand what our duties are, um, what we can and what we can't do. I mean, you can take any controversial planning hearing, for instance. Sure. Um, in fact, I'll give you a good example. The um, the asphalt batch plan. Right. Group of 60, 70 people showed up opposing it. Now, that's all well and good. But what we have to do is we have to follow the law. And the law clearly says, you know, the question is, is an asphalt batch plant um, appropriate in a in a quarry? That's all we're looking at. The law says it is. Regardless of what the 70 people say, we can't go by public opinion. There was a case down in Boise County where the county commissioners listened to the loud voices, made a, made a bad decision, got sued, and it was on a manufacturing plant that wanted to move into their county. Um, their budget at the time was $7 million. They got sued for $9 million. Wow. And lost. 
and the plants still move there. And it's because they didn't follow the law, they got caught up in the emotion of the moment, and maybe a concern over getting reelected or what have you. Sure. Um, and listening to the loud voices. What we don't want hearings to turn into is the two factions coming together and screaming at us or screaming at each other. We want them to be fact-based. Okay. Here are the facts. Please try to put the emotion aside because the emotion is the, the emotion is a silent killer. Maybe not so silent killer. <laughs> it's usually pretty loud. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, m- majority of uh, studies that have been done recently about media um, show that, you know, when, when they were able to quantify the emotional responses to headlines mm-hmm. that the entire media industry changed yeah, um, because they realized at that point they could make money based on people's emotional responses. Mm-hmm. And so, which is an interesting study um, to look at, you know, and I'm, I'm introducing myself into the media sphere. So mm-hmm. I'm like studying this stuff and, and realizing like, okay, a lot of what, we experience and feel is not necessarily based on facts. Right. In fact, what's interesting is you watch, there's all these, these, these articles that always come up and the headline will say one thing totally. or imply one thing. Yep. And then yep. when you read the article, you find yep. out, well, that headline, who wrote the headline? Yeah. Was there somebody there. in a cave that there. didn't yeah. read the article, read yeah. the content? Yeah. Um, and people, I read react, two of those this morning. Yeah. And people I'm like, rea- wait, what? People react to the headline and don't read the, don't yep. read the article. And yep. it's, and it's unfortunate. And that's why I always tell people, listen, it's a biblical principle. If you have a problem with me, come see me. Or if you have yep. a problem with something I've done, come see me or call me or tag me on Facebook or message yeah, me. Sure. Because nine times out of 10, I can walk you through our process and what we had to look at. And, and you'll go, oh, now I get it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I've converted a lot of people. Well, and, and it doesn't mean that you agree with the outcome. Right. Right. And, and that's the, you know, like you well, don't have to agree with, with even the thought process, but yet, or even the ideology that put that in place, or, you know, there's so many different aspects that we can disagree on. And yet we still agree on what, what is actually happening. Well, and even so much that, that I may not agree with an outcome, but the law says this is the outcome. Yeah. Um, and that's where I, I mean, one of the things I really try to do, and it's, it's an exercise in humility is not to put myself in the position. Okay. This is not about me. That's why I used to tell we were we were youth group leaders for a while. So we used to always tell our kids, listen, it's not about you. Yep. You know, we go on a mission trip. It's not about you. Yep. You, today, you don't get to go to the beach. That's sad. Yeah. Today, we're building a ramp, a handicap ramp for this church. Um, and try to plug that in because I never want to get to the point where I'm driving a narrative because it's what I want. Okay. I try to look at it. Okay. What's best um, for the community? And certainly, there's going to be a little bit of your own experience in it. But what's best for the community? What's What's best based on the law? Um, mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, where I go. Now, there are certain touchy-feely things that we do deal with. And we do look for totally. opinion. And we Absolutely. want input. And we want people to have good, constructive input. Mm-hmm. Not, well, I just don't like it because I don't like it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess one of the one of the questions that comes up is, you know, you're saying dealing with the facts, dealing with the law. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of the, one of the things that came up was with um, the lawsuit towards the festival uh-huh. um, that, that was brought actually to the city. Right. And, and so um, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about that process for you guys, because okay. I know that uh, was it Scott uh, Hernan, mm-hmm. uh, right? Um, he, you know, made a video showing, you know, that he was, his rights were being infringed on um, bringing a firearm in. Um, and from there, you get notified and the commissioners are notified that there's a violation. Yeah, let me... I don't know how all that played out. Yeah, let... the, I'm just picking stuff off of what I'll I give read. You the, I'll give you the timeline. I, I just read it and go, huh, that's interesting. So yeah, tell, this tell is, me more. And 
this is a great opportunity because so many people don't know. They only know what they've read sure. in the B or the reader, and it's not real accurate. So it started, there's a couple of guys I know that work security for the festival. Mm -hmm. And they, I let them come out to our place, we place on the lake, and they let their dogs swim on hot days. And they happened to be out there one day, and, they, and this was before the festival even started. And they said, hey, uh, uh, people can't carry this year at the festival. I said, what? Because, yeah, they're going to ban all firearms. I said, man, I don't know if that's legal. And I didn't at the time. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, I said, well, let me let me check it out. And both these guys carry almost all the time, and um, as do I. And, and I said, well, let me check it out. So mm -hmm. I got a hold of our attorney and said, will you look into this? Because it doesn't sound right. And I explained to him what was going on. And he said, no, I can already tell you it's not right. It's against the law. There's, um, I think it's 18322J that says that cities, counties, we can't regulate possession of firearm on public ground. So I said, look into it. I don't want to start anything unless I know for sure that this is legit. And so, so he looked into it. We brought in our outside attorney to help us because they're really good. They're, they're, they're a much bigger firm and have a lot more reach than, uh, than what our in-house folks have. And, and uh, they did a bunch of research on it and came back to said, yeah, this, this is not legal. And so do, do we want to sue? And, and we started out by saying, no, we don't want to sue. We want, let's talk to the city. Let's send them a letter because it's a legal issue. You have to you know, follow that process. So let's send them a letter with the statute, um, our case law that we see in our opinion and invite them to have a conversation with us. So we sent the letter out. We gave them a date. Please contact us before this date. Um, we did not get contact in the form that we wanted. And, I, and when I say that, it's the only contact we got was, was a, it was a question, how is Davalier Law Group able to represent the county? Or, you know, basically something of that essence. It was a stall tactic. So then we had another executive session to discuss the issue. And, and uh, out of that, we said, well, let's not do anything yet. Let's see if the city will come around because we really want them to come talk to us. We think we can work this out. We think we can explain it to them. Um, and we'd seen the stuff with, with Herndon. Uh, we'd seen, we'd heard the, the words that uh, their attorney at the time said. We'd heard about the, uh, the uh, city council meeting where another citizen came in and quoted the law and said, what you're doing is wrong. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we were hoping they and were going to come to the table. prior to the festival. That was all prior. That was, well, that started, that, that, those things happened while the festival was going on. Oh, okay. And I okay. was, and I'm, while it was going and on. And let okay. me say, see, take a holder for 20 years, love the festival, go every yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and uh, we really hoped the city would come to the table, and they and they didn't. And they, we just kept hearing nothing. So finally, we said, "Okay, let's go ahead and file and serve them, hoping that might bring them to the table." Um, their the premise for their defense is that uh, we have a lease, and the lease therefore protects us, and then that leasee can do whatever they want on public ground. But the problem is that ground never changes from public to private. If it were private, the festival could do whatever they wanted. So because it doesn't change, you can't give away or, or enable, uh, or uh, I can't remember what the legal term is, um, you can't give a right that you don't own. So the city doesn't have the right to ban handguns or firearms on the property. Therefore, the leasee does not have that right either. Okay. And the lease doesn't protect them because it doesn't change the ownership. Okay. If a lease protected them, anybody could lease, white supremacists could lease that ground and say, okay, we're not gonna allow anybody in, Any, anybody who's of a different race. Hmm. Um, when you start looking at these other contexts, you see how easily um, how bad their attorneys, I hate to say how bad, how inappropriate their attorneys' um, comments were uh, because it really doesn't allow the festival to do that because it's still public ground. If it changed hands, if they sold it to the festival, completely different issue. Mm -hmm. uh, but then now, mm -hmm. now you're looking at procurement issues on public land, which is another whole ball of wax. Correct, so. correct. So the, 
you know, I know that um, uh, most, from what I've understood, what I've heard, a lot of the lease, um, you know, issues for the festival in order for the festival to be there is that they've got, they've got to be in agreement with the artists mm -hmm. and with, you know, management companies who won't allow firearms for those people to be there. So essentially um, with the way that the state of Idaho, right. If I'm understanding your yep. argument, just according state to law. the state law, then none of those people can perform on public grounds if they don't agree to care to uh, right. allowing for care, which is odd because there are festivals all over the state, all over the state that are on public ground. Yes. That people are allowed to carry and those same performers show up to. Now we, I went so far as to contact mm. booking agents. Okay. And asked them, Hey, listen, what's the issue with it? And they said, you know, it's like the 10,000 green M&Ms thing. These contracts come with all these different riders and you negotiate the riders. Um, when you look around the state, um, in fact, this same issue came up in Kootenai County. Okay. They were going to ban firearms from their fairgrounds. And the law was explained to the, to the uh, county and they went or to the fair board and they said, okay, we're backing off. We'll allow, we won't allow firearms. They have performers show up there all the time. You can look at any other festival in the state of Idaho that's on public land. And there are a lot of them. They all allow firearms and they sign off on the rider. So I don't know that we're living in a vacuum. Okay. And so... Right. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a solution there that has not been is. presented. Uh, you know, I'm always, I'm always surprised that how many times uh, solutions are reduced to uh, this or that. Well, it's, and it's right. It's, either it's the false, sign up, yeah. uh, th there's not a, there's not an actual equivalent. There. That, and I think uh, what tends to happen, and this happens not just with this issue, but with a lot of issues, people build a mound. Okay. And once they build a mound, they've got to defend the mound. So they sure. build the mound, they put the walls up, they have the guards with the swords, you know, or they're going to stop anything from, touching their mound when in reality they all they have to do is step off the mound and look at logic because the first thing i thought was how are these other concerts going on in the state of idaho on public ground right you know yeah. sandpoint's not in a bubble it's not okay. different than anywhere else and i don't know if it was ideology bleeding in or what um, yeah, who knows? because I don't know. when it comes to um, gun rights and the second amendment and all that um there are definitely two camps there's very few people in the middle very i mean there is not a lot of gray area there you yeah. either you either are for that that type of freedom or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, Hmm. Yep. Sounds like there's some good opportunities there. Yeah. Let me just say that. Because, it'll be, a, it'll be yeah. a good learning event for some folks. Yeah. Um, mm. But uh, we've, and we've looked at this. I, I, we, I think, I think we've talked to eight different attorneys mm -hmm. about this case. Cause I don't, I'm not one that wants to spend taxpayer dollars on something like this. Um, unless I know that, you know, the outcome is right. favorable and we couldn't find a single one that said, Oh, no, no, you're, here's what you're missing. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about this issue coming up? And um, what was the priority for you um, just ideologically to push forward, to go ahead and spend the money to, to deal with this issue? So this goes back to my oath of office. Okay. <clears throat> so now we have an issue. Um, we have an issue that's a, that's a legal issue um, with respect to the law. And I don't know if you've read the law yet, but it's no. one of the few laws. If you read Idaho law, it's, I mean, it usually takes three attorneys to decipher it. Sure. This one is so clearly written. The preamble, right in the preamble, the legislature states that the legislature intends to occupy the field when it comes to the regulation of firearms. That is strong language. Wow. I mean, that's some of the strongest language you'll typically hear in any wow. law. And so what they're saying is that we're the end-all be-all, and this is what we this is what we want. Um, if people don't like the law, they can try to change it. But at this point, this is the law. Now, for me to ignore that, especially in, in light of, you know, the Herndon video and, and the other things that took place, then am I doing my job? Because trust me, I don't want to be the guy that 
you know, kills the festival, which I don't think this kills the festival, but that's the, that's I the, think that, yeah, that's the way I'm being painted. A lot of challenges. Yeah. This is the yeah. guy that, that can't, that hates the festival. I love the festival. Okay. I mean, I was friends with Dino mm -hmm. um, yeah. for years and, uh, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, I, I took an oath of office. Yeah. And okay. either, and either I have that kind of integrity or I don't. And if okay. I don't have that type of integrity, I need to get out of office. Okay. So. Um, so one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, you look at with the County, uh, currently as you move forward, uh, how many, how many more years do you have in your term? Three, three, three long, long years. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you were, uh, you were given a, was it a six or did you start with a two-year term? Two-year, yeah. And now you got reelected. Yeah, I'm on a four-year. And four now year. you're on a four-year. Yeah, year, it goes so two, four, two, yep, four, two, yeah. four, two, four. So um, over the next three years, what are you seeing for areas of improvement for the county and areas that you really feel like you want to focus on? Um, managing process is important. Okay. Process drives a budget. Um, one of the things, the first um, first three months in office, one of the most commonly heard things coming out of my office is, why do we do it this way? Mm -hmm. And the response is always the same. This is the way we've always mm -hmm. done it. Yep. So I realized at that point, we need to change the culture. Okay. You're not, you're not going to fix the budget and the spending issue if you can't change the culture. So in March, our department had meeting in March and I'm, and I'm always joking around the department, but I said, listen, I'm banning a phrase. And that phrase is, this is the way we've always done it. It stifles creativity. It stifles the ability to find solutions or even to look for solutions. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. It's just, hey, this is the way we've done it. So we're going to keep doing it this way. Keep continue to do it the same way. You're going to continue to get the same results. In order for us to be as fiscally responsible as possible, and we need government. I'm not one of these people that thinks this an anarchist that thinks we should sure. do away with all government. Yeah. Um, we need to make sure we're minding our P's and Q's when it comes to that. And only doing, that was the other edict we put out, was these departments only do what you're supposed to be doing right. by state statute. Don't go beyond. You can't go beyond. It's um, it's a waste of taxpayer dollars. And, and the, the amount of fat we found in the budget was scary. Really? First year, we cut almost $9 million. Wow, um, total in total in, total in two years we cut over twenty. Hmm. Now we've also changed processes. So when we went um, self-insured with liability, the only way it would work is was for me to make the department heads accountable. So there were two big issues. Our two big hot button issues were vehicle losses, you know, crashes of county vehicles, and lawsuits by employees. So we said, here's the deal: your budget's your budget, but if you wreck a vehicle and your guys haven't got your people haven't gone through the driving course, because we have our own risk manager then it's going to come out of your budget, the loss will. If you fire somebody without running it through HR, that money will come out of your budget. We went from losing about five to 600,000 a winter, which is our biggest lot, time of loss, to losing 15,000. That's amazing. In one year. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it wow. was just like that. Hmm. And what it did, it gave those department heads a little bit of ownership now. Okay. That they may not have had before. I think some did, some didn't. Um, so we really, we really changed the culture. Being able to change the culture is important, but you have to maintain it. Because I, I know the minute I leave, if someone comes in and they're a little more cavalier, the culture will want to flip back. Of course. So yeah. it's a matter of making this the new norm. In any, in any organization, the culture always wins. Mm -hmm. Whatever yeah. the culture is, that's what wins. That's the thing that everything reverts to. But there's also things in planning. I mean, we're still looking for opportunities in planning. I know you're working with housing. It's something that's yeah. near and dear to my heart. Um, Milton, our planning director, same yeah. way. Yeah. Um, it's but the but the question is, what's the proper role of government Correct. in this? Yeah. Um, and so, and, and I and we believe our role is to create those planning opportunities so that we can see some growth. I think okay. our our biggest issue in Bonner County is is housing. Okay. We have too much of a demand and okay. not enough supply. Okay. And and so, what do you what are some things that you see with um, with housing that you think the county can help with right now? Well, right now I'm working with, um, Milton and I are working with two different developers that are looking to come in and do something. 
Okay. Um, we've talked about uh, um, starter homes mm -hmm. because that's, I think, where our, our hot button is really, we don't need any more mansions. We have enough mansions for now. I mean, mm -hmm. if people want to build a mansion, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But we need we need homes that have a lower price point. Um, what that is today, I'd probably two hundred thousand or so, or less, uh, yeah. or less, if possible. Um, something that uh, people can get into, mm -hmm. um, and then turn around and eventually sell and, and work their way up the ladder. Yeah. Um, the problem is always when it, when you talk about affordable housing, short of Section Eight type housing or, uh -huh. or offset housing, the market's always going to drive it. So Correct. One of the two guys I'm working with, I said, here's what we need to do. I said, you need to find someone who's going to finance this. Uh -huh. We need to keep investment banks from coming in and buying any of these. Correct. Yep. These should be first-time buyers only. And primary really residents. Yeah, primary resident. Yep. No, we don't need any more vacation rentals. Mm -hmm. um, really tune this thing up so that we have we have all the right. We have the developer. We have the builder. We have the, um, we have the uh, financer. Uh-huh. Um, so that people can get into these things. Now, once they're in them and they turn, they turn around and so, flip them. So how do you, um, how, how would you restrict the sale? That would be with the finance. That'd be the owner and the financing. So the developer okay. and the financing would, would say, here are our rules. This, these are yeah. first-time buyer homes. Okay. Um, whatever they may be. It may be mm -hmm. a mixture of some tiny homes. Mm -hmm. They're even more affordable. Sure. Um, and, some, uh, and some little single-family Some of the homes. Mi middle. Yeah, but where we run into the wall is that then we've got the other folks that are concerned about Bonner County looking like Kootenai County, wall-to-wall -wall homes. And um, and I want to tell everybody, if you're watching this, we're not idiots. We get it. I'm, I don't want Bonner County to look like Kootenai County. Okay. Um, I want Bonner County to, to still maintain its rural character. Yeah. Um, it's in our edict of what we're supposed to do as commissioners is to maintain the rural character. But there's ways to do that. I yeah. mean, there are a lot of areas. I mean, like, for instance, we were talking about Sully Valley and, and different areas. And, and right now, Blanchard's starting to blow up a little bit. Yeah. But um, Blanche is still a long ways from Correct. The, the main hub it here is. in town. It is. So that's that not creates like some a, issues. Yeah. It's more, Blanchard's more of an extension of Kootenai County. Correct. Um, so Selly Valley, of course, is one of the prime spots. Sagal's a prime spot. And uh -huh. we've got parties within those two areas that are absolute. No new development. I don't want my neighbor putting a lean-to up on their house, what have you. Sure. Flies in the face of private property rights, yep. in my opinion. Um, and it flies in the face of, of, uh, of resolving um, issues that affect all of us. Huh. For instance, you've got companies like Quest and uh, Lighthouse. Uh -huh. They have a bunch of employees that live down in, in Kootenai County. I had a yeah. well-known businessman here who says, that's fine. Let them live down there. Yeah. I said, well, let me talk. I know. Let I've, let I've me, had those conversations. I said, let me talk about economics here. Yeah. So you have people working here, making money here. They're spending it down there. Yep. You bet. This person owns a business. It's a consumer-based business. I said, so literally, those your customers are, are all going south, your, your potential future customers. I said, we're draining the, the county of yep. its, if its economic ability. Uh -huh. So what we have to look at now is, so, so what are our challenges? Our challenges are always going to be sewer and water. Those are the naturally limiting challenges for any housing development. So yep. Yep. how do you tackle that? Well, Kootenai Ponderade has some, still has, I think, 1,500 um, hookups left. So that, that'd be helpful. Um, short of that, uh, there's one developer that said, what about putting in the sewer system? Um, and there's some good examples in the county, Blanchard Golf Course. I met with the owner of Blanchard Golf Course hmm. and uh, Chan. And he's got the, a fantastic sewer system and a well that produces more water than I've ever heard of. I think he said it was 900 gallons every three seconds. So you could literally take all of Blanchard and put it on a sewer system with water. That's crazy. Um, and, and really change the complexion there and, and improve the environment. I mean, I, I don't know if people think um, that uh, 
conservatives don't care about the environment. We always care about the environment. We yeah. just have a different way of going about it. Um, but I'm concerned about, you know, what's the, what is our saturation rate with um, septic systems? Yeah. You know, when do we reach yeah, that point that, yeah. that we're, that our aquifer is starting to get, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, a little tainted. Yeah. So, I mean, these are, and these are pretty big, big questions, big issues. Uh, um, lots of work, lots of thought. I mean, Milton and I are constantly meeting. I'm the commissioner on over planning. So okay. yeah, I meet quite a bit yeah. um, and we're constantly looking for, okay, how do we resolve this? You know, is, can we find somebody to put a, a, a sewer system up, up in Sully Valley? And then, you know, what kind of resistance we're going to run into. And I mean, there's, it's interesting that not in my backyard, what we call yeah. NIMBY, yeah, right? NIMBY. And I think that's mm -hmm. what, what you're talking about. Almost every time I have that conversation uh, with somebody who is of that, you know, uh, kind of has that perspective that says, I don't want uh, quote unquote affordable housing mm -hmm. near me. Um, and they reference where they came from in California right. or where, where they, they've been or section eight housing or, or these different mm -hmm. types of things as, as a housing developer myself, um, having built set, uh, built and renovated 17 houses mm -hmm. that are all, all here local. They're all in Bonner County in Boundary yeah. County. They're all, um, homes that people enjoy. They live in, we were able to get them in there at mm -hmm. way below market value. That's awesome. Right. And you know, you can't tell them apart. You can't tell which one's which. Right. There's no way, there's no way to tell because it's just normal North Idaho housing. Right. And so I think that there's a lot of education that has to mm -hmm. happen in order for people to go, Oh, it's not going to look like that. And that's right. the one thing that's changed. And that's what we can control. Yeah. At the county, the story. we can control how this gets done. I mean, there's uh -huh. a, and there's a lot of great examples of very tasteful um, housing projects totally. that don't look mm -hmm. like, um, you know, you know, wall to wall, zero uh -huh. clearance, yeah. you know, condos or whatever. I mean, they're, they're actually nice little parks. Yeah. In them. Yeah. Have you, have you seen uh, any of the presentations I've done on the land trust concept? I have, I've read, um, I think I read something that you put out about the land trust and uh -huh. that's where the land is owned in trust. Yeah. In trust. Right. And then, and then, you buy, and just then you, the buy, you buy the home and the improvements on it. Now, is there a, is there a cap to what a person can make? Yes. It's a resale restriction okay. because yeah, it's on see, the land where, trust. And that's where I get it. That's where I have a little bit of pause only, sure. only because yeah. the, the American dream is you own a house. You, then you sell that house and yeah. buy, buy a better house. So you still get to earn money. You sure. still, it, the appreciation isn't tied to market. It's tied to an index. Are you having success to, with that? Well, there's tons of them that have that are very are successful. Okay. We're still trying to break in as far as our first one here. Um, the biggest issue is getting getting. Um, uh, we've got people who have land that they've mm -hmm. been willing to donate. Oh, really? The issue is the infrastructure, right? And dealing with infrastructure costs mm -hmm. because um, if you take the land uh, and you then develop the infrastructure, and um, let's say the the house is totally built out. Land improvements, everything's two hundred fifty thousand. Okay. Um, with the land trust, would maybe hold seventy after um, all fees, improvements, cost of land, everything mm -hmm. else, and the house is now by itself is one hundred eighty thousand. Um, so people come in and they buy it at one eighty, and then they resell it uh, based on uh, uh, indexed appreciation plus whatever they paid down. Sure. So you know they're going to walk away with cash when and they end up selling it, but that keeps it affordable forever. Well, and I think that's the and I and that that would be the key to be able to walk away with cash. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know absolutely. that. I don't know. If I, mean, you I like can a, do I like housing. A, I like a real free market approach yeah. to it, um, but it does mean that the market's going to drive it. Yeah. But then it would make me wonder. 
would people want to take advantage of something where they're restricted in the amount of money mm -hmm. they can make, especially sure. in the market the way it is today? Well, one of the biggest issues is can you afford to own your own home right. in the current market the way it is? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just get into it. Well, you know, yeah. we got we got you know 800, 900 square foot houses for two bedroom, one bath for mm -hmm. two thirty five in the city of Sandpoint, and, and you know when we look at that, we go okay, family of four in Bonner County, a family of four. Uh, what's affordable for them is a house mm -hmm. under two hundred thousand. Right, but the reason why we're in this in this problem, there's a couple of different factors. Sure, you yeah. probably already know it. One no, is, our, is in, one of, one of them is inventory. Our demand is <laughs> way, totally. the, the demand is way too high. We have yeah. I mean, so if, many if people we, moving here. If we built mm -hmm. out a if we built a couple of little projects, we would start to see the average home price start to drop, especially in that sector. I think so. So, so that segment, so it, because housing is supply and demand, it, it, no matter where you go, it's always supply and demand. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we beef up the, the supply. Mm -hmm. Okay. The demand costs will lower mm -hmm. and that will be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just think that uh, people forget that. And yeah. then the people that, uh, I mean, there is, I guess there's a little bit of an inherent risk to uh, landowners that are now looking at their property value and going, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to sell and get out of here because it'll also reduce theirs. Yeah. But we can't keep playing this zero-sum game because yeah. our kids who are growing up here, my kids don't live here. They're growing up here. They're having to live somewhere else. So that's a that's a cultural drain. Yeah, it is. Our culture's being drained. Yeah. Our, our our brain trust is being drained. Mm -hmm. We can't get big man. We can't get anybody in here to to really create a decent business that pays decent wages because they can't house their employees. Well, here. and the ones that are here, the great businesses that we have here mm -hmm. are having a hard time maintaining. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's buses yeah. that run back and yeah. forth. You know, I mean, there, and there's an issue with the workforce to a, to a larger degree, but but we have people moving here to work and they can't find a place to live. Yep. They're living behind Walmart in a trailer. Yeah. You know, and it's it's like, and and some of that is also the other factor here is this this um, vacation rental thing. People have mm -hmm. converted long term rental properties to short term vacation rentals. They're much um, more lucrative. Yeah, and they're much more lucrative. People are making five grand a month. And mm -hmm. if you listen to this, do not turn your house into vacation rental. But it, but I mean, it's it's <laughs> happening, and I don't blame I don't blame them. But um, but that takes a big segment of the market out. It does, and it no does. one wants to see Section Eight housing. I mean, no, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a fear well, about and, that. And, and Section Eight's a kind of a it's a voucher program now. Right. So anybody who's a landlord can receive Section Eight vouchers. Right. True. You just have to agree that you're going to take them for 20 years, mm -hmm. and that's you know. So some of the people who've been Section Eight landlords, the what we would call like lower low low income housing, mm -hmm. uh, are their 20 years is up. And they're saying we're not going to continue to take Section Eight vouchers. Yeah. And now that entire market is now being completely removed. Well, I'm sure um, the only yeah. people that are still developing anywhere that takes that uh, accepts voucher programs are these market rate housing projects like Milltown mm -hmm. and right. and uh, places that Whitewater Creek are that they're developing um, because they'll take all the vouchers. Um, well, and what I don't I don't want people to settle. I don't want someone to settle for a Section Eight apartment. I, I want to, yeah. I mean, I started out in a small apartment. It drove yep. me crazy. Went to a but duplex let's move up. And, the, and just yep. kept moving forward and started, yep. you know, buying and selling. And, and, and I think there's something about, and maybe it's just me, but there's something about just accepting. Certainly you want to accept certain things in your life, but, but don't be satisfied. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, go to, get to a place where you can say, okay, this is where I belong. Mm -hmm. And not everybody belongs in a mansion. You don't yeah. all need to live in mansions. Yeah. Um, besides it's hard to keep them clean. Uh, but, um, but well, if you have can, one, you can hire a cleaner. It's but okay. yeah, there you go. If, yeah. if you can afford a mansion, you can hire a cleaner. That's right. Yeah. I'm a, don't say that. My, honey, don't watch this because I don't want to hire a cleaner. <laughs> we don't want a mansion. But she keeps saying, why? Our house is so big now with all the kids gone. Anyway. That's true. Um, I, I just think it's good for people to continue to strive uh -huh. to improve themselves. Yeah.
Because that's that's my life story. I started out no no college, just you know, kind of went out and did it. What's the what do you think is the biggest thing that people misunderstand about you? Oh gosh, where do I start? Um, some people like to call me a bully, which is not really deserved. Am I forceful? Yeah. I mean, if I'm okay. really behind something, oh yeah, I'm gonna wave the flag. Um, I'll run up the hill. I'll take the hits. Um, there's a whole nother side of me that people don't get to see, I guess, okay. sometimes. And I wish I could show it to them. But my yeah. wife, last year during the election, my wife put something on Facebook to talk about who I was. And, you know, you don't know the real Dan and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's getting all welling up here. But um, there's a whole nother side of me. You've seen a little bit of the other side sure, of me with, yeah. with, with life choices. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the biggest thing with me is that I just try to do the right thing. Okay. I mean, I want to, when I leave office, whenever that is, I want to leave office to be able to say, you know what? I did the absolute very best I could with the information I had, and I always try to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other side people don't see is the amount of people that come to me for help, and I can help them. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, most I can help some. There's things that are beyond my grasp as a commissioner, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to do so. I give out my cell phone number to anybody, and I tell them, call me nights, weekends, and people call me at nights and on weekends. Mm-hmm. There's, I have a meeting this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this is our day off. It's uh, Veterans Day today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Call out to all of our veterans. Thanks for yep. your sacrifice. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm willing to meet. I'm willing to work with people. I just, uh, I always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my nature. It's in my customer service nature. Okay. Because the background yeah. of everything I've done all my life is always to be to serve someone else. Yeah. Whether it's mm. whether it's serving Christ, whether it's serving customers, it's about service. And, I, and I'm happy to be of service. Now, mm-hmm. again, there's going to be that segment that no matter what I do, if I came over and washed sure. your car every week, they're not going to like it. And that's okay. Yeah. They can stay over here. But everyone else, if I can help, I'm happy to help. Okay. And then um, what do you think is, is the most deserved critique that you get? <laughs> oh, gosh, um, that I can argue until everyone passes out because <laughs> I can. My parents thought I should have been an attorney. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to lower my standards, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. I have friends that are attorneys. They're buddies of mine. Oh, man. It's always a common joke. Um, no, I, I yeah, I just... Uh, I'm like a dog on a bone when it comes to certain things. Now there are other things. And we see that. What yeah, pe- yeah what people don't see are the conversations I bypass. Okay. The criticisms I don't stand up to. Now, one of the things I learned early on in politics is if someone makes a statement about you and you don't rebut it, it can become the truth, whether it's truthful or not. So sure. that's one of the reasons why you see me as active as I as I yeah. am. But yeah. but yeah, I will argue to the dying day. Yep. And, even and, and it drives my poor wife crazy. Well, I have to remind people I've I've gotten a little, you know, I, I would say, um, healthy feedback uh, mm-hmm. since I started doing the show because mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, a lot of people feel like I need to correct people's record or no. say certain things. And, and it's not my role uh, on this show to do that. Sure. Um, and uh, I appreciate you taking the chance to come on yeah. and spend some time with yeah, us and, and to have a conversation about your history and perspective. I was really, I was really interested in, in kind of how you formatted your political mm-hmm. kind of acumen a little bit. So it's good to hear your backstory a little yeah. bit. So I appreciate that. Well, let me give out my cell phone number. So I carry a cell phone around with me all the time. I have one for the County. This is my personal cell phone number 208-661-0428. So if, if you have an issue has... or a question or you think I'm a moron, call me. Okay. Because I'm always glad to debate, happy to debate that I'm a moron thing. <laughs> there may be some truth to it, but not in every, in every, in every area. But uh, yeah, okay. feel free to call me. I, that, I'm here to help. Okay. So great. 
Great. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. For having I think we're, fun. I think we're, I think we're good. I checked my list. Did I, did I get everything? And, uh, I think we did, uh, at this point, there's a couple things that, um, I think you covered in, in kind of how you view sure. uh, governance, which, you know, is, is good. So the smallest, smallest as possible, but we can make it even smaller. We'll figure out a way to do it without cutting services. All right. All right. Well, thanks, man. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay.